good morning, church. Pastor Danny was the last off the stage. Everybody see that? Just, just trying to stir up strife, that's all. Don't mind me. Hey, thank you again so much for coming to be with us, for virtually streaming in wherever you are, however you've come to be here with us. Thank you so much. I want to say thank you uh, to a few people. as we've, uh, We're still in the middle of it, uh, but we're navigating the season that we are in, this interesting, unique season. I just want to thank the elder team who have been just fantastic as we've been meeting and, and talking and praying and working through. The staff team here at Life Church has been just incredible, spot on. Um, always present, working through things. Um, also, Clint Frederick and Nathan Hamilton. Nathan Hamilton. Uh, all the technology, all of the audio, all of the video, the live streaming, Nathan Hamilton is the deal. Uh, I don't even know how to say it other than that, but Nathan Hamilton, I believe in Hebrew, means incredible. So uh, we're super, super grateful for that. And also, uh, pastors Danny and Holly, um, as they've been reaching in and just continuing to serve real life, really jumped into, I mean, completely nosedived, cannonballed right into live streaming, creating a YouTube channel, took hours and hours and hours of work, and they're crushing it um, because that's where the young people are. They went there. And just worked really hard to make that happen. Uh, I know my young, uh, my kids have been enjoying it. Um, honestly, I, I find it amusing as well. Uh, the Monday music Mondays was fantastic. My mom's been watching the Real Life YouTube channel since I told her about it. Um, so, but we're so appreciative to pastors Danny and Holly. In conjunction with that, this Wednesday, July 8th, Real Life will be happening on site. So if you are... If you are comfortable with that, July 8th from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, weather permitting because it is going to be outside, Real Life Summer Nights, bring a blanket, bring a uh, chair or something for yourself to sit on. We will obviously continue to be observing uh, safe distancing, uh, but there's going to be worship. There's going to be the word, presence of God. So this Wednesday from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, Real Life Summer Nights. Come on, somebody say amen. It's going to be good. Uh, it is, again, weather permitting. <laughs> so uh, they will be sending out a communication through social media and all the platforms by 6 p.m. if there's any question, um, and they will let everybody know. And then if uh, that uh, needs to be uh, because of the weather not done in that way, uh, they'll just be YouTube uh, on the YouTube channel live streaming. Also, that outside event will be streamed on YouTube as well. All right. We're continuing our series, Reset. Say, Reset. I hope somebody's in their living room just said all by themselves, reset. I was so blessed in my heart. Uh, but reset, a divine approach to our earthly affairs. Reset, a divine approach to our earthly affairs. And really, Romans 8.28 has the context of really being the turning point. God works all things for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. That oftentimes is a scripture that comes up that people use, that people will speak to, that people will return to. But I want to look at that scripture within the broader context of what it is. Romans 8.28, I made the comment last week, is a runway. It's a runway. And runways have dual uses. Runways land and runways help launch and take off. Because I believe in this particular season that we are in, reset, a divine approach to our earthly affairs, there are some things that need to land, hello somebody, and go away. There are some ways that we interact with one another, how we see each other, how we relate to God. And those things need to come down, they need to land, they need to be put in the hangar and sold, and they need to go away. There are other things that need to taxi out of the hangar and 
get up a good amount of speed and then take off and take flight in our hearts and in our lives. We're going to be working through all of Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 31, but I'm going to read our uh, Hallmark passages this morning. Are you with me? All right. Yeah, talk back to me. I've been, I've been talking to like just a one-eyed camera for a long, hot minute, so I'm like devoid of encouragement. Thank you, Chuck. Romans 8, verse 18. Paul writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Skip down to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for us as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your presence here with us. Father, we thank you that your word declares uh, when two or three gather in your midst there, you are with us. We thank you that your name is Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you that you position yourself where we are. We love you, we honor you, we give these moments. We ask that you use them to mold us, shape us, change us, make us more into your image. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said? Amen. amen and amen. Paul demands our full attention. When he writes, you gotta, you gotta focus, right? You gotta zero in. You know those conversations with people and maybe it's because of the, the, the type of conversation you're having or just the person you're having the conversation with that you know you can check out and then check back in and you haven't missed a thing? Are you with me? Those are my favorite. Paul isn't like that. You gotta stay tuned in. The, the Pauline epistles are not like that. We see in chapter one of verse seven, he, he directs to those, he, as he's writing this letter, he says, I'm writing to those who are loved by God and called to be saints. Interesting. This letter is directed to those who are loved by God and called to be saints. The discussion can be had that everything that we unpack are not given to believers alone, but to all those who are beloved which is another conversation perhaps for another day. What's not up for discussion is the geographic aim of Paul's words. He is speaking directly to those in Rome. Rome is not unlike us and our circumstances. It's metropolitan, it's extremely diverse, it's a, it's a cultural center, it's the seat of empire. And this morning, what I want to do is work through a couple verses in particular, 19 through 21, which are outworking words. Verses 19 through 21 are outworking words. Verse 18 has more of a launching to it. And what we're going to do is we're going to back ourselves in. Are you with me this morning? I'm going to, we're going to back ourselves in as we detail verses 19 through 21 and how it then shows us what verse 18 is meant to communicate. So let's read this. By the way, we are grateful that children are here with us today. 
I was a middle school teacher. I was a high school teacher. I have been ignored for large portions of my life, and it doesn't phase me. So it's fine. We love it. Verses 19 through 21. Remember, you got to dial in. Are you dialed in? Okay. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Oh, that's beautiful. It's rich. It's deep. It's what I like to call a Pauline pretzel. It seems to be a little here, a little there, and before you know it, you're kind of back to where you started, but not at all together. Are you with me? And so when I read passages like that, I have to frame out the words and phrases that I understand so I can fully embrace what the Spirit of God is trying to lead me into. So when I frame out these words and these phrases, I find three things. I find players, I find points, and I find poles or atmospheres. I find players, I find points, and I find pulls and atmospheres. And we're going to work through those three. The players. The players are simply, verses 19, for the creation is a player. He goes on and communicates and mentions sons of God is a player. Then he mentions creation again. And then he mentions children of God. So we have Players, we have this creation that he comments on, and we have sons of God or children of God that seem to be used interchangeably. That word creation is from the original language, katissis, which means, wait for it, creation. It means everything that exists. It doesn't mean some of this. It doesn't just mean type of that, but it means everything that is. Sons of God and children of God is a little bit different. They mean the same thing. But oftentimes in Scripture, you will see the sons of God or children of God, and they're talked about in terms of a type of person or maybe in some iconic fashion. They are the sons of God or they spoke as the children of God. But as Paul is speaking to it here, he's speaking to it just after he said in verses 12 through 17, verse, uh, let's do verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let me say that again. For all, say all, who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Again, we see this interchange of children of God and sons of God. They are not different. They are one and the same. And this is what Paul is speaking to in this passage. He's pulling from the words of uh, John chapter 1 that those who believe are given the right or the power to become children of God. Galatians 3, he writes this. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here we go, verse 28. This is beautiful. As sons of God there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So we understand the players of this passage are all of creation and all of humanity. All sons of God, all children of God, those who believe in the name of Jesus have the right and the power to become children of God. What Paul is speaking to 
is that there is a deep interconnectedness. There's a connectedness from creation to children of God, from children of God to creation. As the creation goes, so does the children of God. As the children of God go, so does creation. Are you tracking with me this morning? This is not a new concept because in Genesis chapter 1, creation is submitted to Adam, that they would, that Adam and Eve, remember the creation poem, the creation story, Nilla wafers and lemonade cup, right? That they, they would then have dominion, multiply, subdue. Do you see this interconnectedness and this interplay between all of creation and the children of God? Players, points. Points are, I like to refer to them as places of initiation and aims. Places of initiation and aims. I do not like starting and I do not like stopping. Because starting oftentimes gets communicated as if you are doing something. As if you are responsible for it. As if you and you alone are the initiator. But we know that all things are initiated by the Spirit of God. So these points that we have in our lives are all in response to Jesus' invitation, hey, come and follow me. Jesus does not say, come arrive at me. He says, follow me. Have you ever been following someone and they're like, hey, just follow me in the car and that's a whole nother conversation for another day, whether you're good at following or bad at leading. Hello, somebody. But you find them pulling off and you don't know where you're going, but you know you shouldn't be here. And then they run in and they run out with like a bag of Cheetos. And then when you get to your destination, you're like, what are you doing? I thought we were going here. We're like, yeah, I just needed to make a stop. Like, well, why did we get a bag of Cheetos? Because I wanted it. I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. Because Jesus does not say, come and get here, arrive at me. He says, follow me. Yeah. And that follow enters into every course and every opportunity of our lives. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Well, I thought we were here. No, we just got to keep coming. You never get to Jesus just, ah, I have arrived. That doesn't happen. We continue to follow. So we have places of initiation and aims. And so these points are various. There are a lot. Verse 19, for the creation awaits with eager longing for the, so the first thing we have is eager longing. The second thing is revealing. Excuse me, eager longing is going to be later. We have revealing. Revealing comes from the word apocalypsis, which is where we get apocalypse. That always makes you feel good, right? But it means to disclose. It means to be laid bare. It means to be open as it is or will be or should be. A revealing. And then we have subjected to futility. Which means to be arranged in weakness. To be set in a place of weakness. That the creation itself will be set free. Now I just want to pause here because the, the, the verbiage there, set free and obtain, are two words translated differently, but the same that Paul is using. It, it comes from the original language of uh, actually being directed to go away, directed to go in a direction. We have this understanding in our hearts and minds that set free means something's going to break, something's going to happen. Or when we obtain, it's going to be given to us. But Paul says, no, it's, it's, the original word is ice, which means to be directed in a direction. Think of it in terms of playing uh, pin the tail on the donkey. Anybody ever play pin the tail? Nobody has ever played pin the tail. Okay, thank you so much. They put you in a direction. Now, God does not spin us up and then send us on our way. But think of it in terms of the setting free and the obtaining that God delivers to us is not just something happening to us, but he puts us in a direction and then we go. 
Are you with me today? Bondage to corruption is the next point, which means to be enslaved to decay. So the places of initiation for us in terms of children of God and creation is that there's a subjection to futility, that we are arranged in weakness and we are enslaved to decay. Does anybody else know what that means? When you wake up when you're 39 years old and things hurt for no good reason. You didn't do anything special, you just lived. And now your back hurts. Did you lift anything? No. Did you think about lifting anything? No. I just walked from here to there and now I'm sore. And then the last point is freedom of the glory. There's a lot of stuff going on here, church. There are a lot of points, a lot of places of initiation and aims. But what is not said, and if you're anything like me, you get a whole lot more from communication and conversations from what is not said, especially the most intimate relationships. Are you with me, married people, today? It's not just what she's saying, but what is she not saying? Over three quarters of our communication is nonverbal. What is not said, there's no earning. There's no achieving. There's no taking. What is communicated is there's process. There's journey. There's growth and there's change. And thirdly, there are pulls and atmospheres. I refer to these as kind of like the flavors and sights, the smells of life. The smells of life. Now when you hold up the pulls and atmosphere, the smells of life versus the people that you can touch and hear, or, or the points, the things that you're going through, Maybe it doesn't feel like the pulls in the atmospheres are, are very influential, but have you ever walked past the subway when they're baking the bread? Are you with me? Have you ever walked into a home when your wife, just hypothetically speaking, has been cooking beans? Or, or, or steaming broccoli? Broccoli's delicious. It smells funky. There's no way around it. There's nothing that you can do. And have you looked at something and thought, man, that looks delicious, and then smelled it and said, that does not look delicious? Do you know that the odors, the ability that we have, the olfactory sense that we have as humans, is the greatest connection to our memory that we have as humans? Flavors and smells. And the pulls in the atmosphere that Paul speaks to are creation weights with eager longing, not willingly, but in hope. While we get hyper-focused on the points and are largely aware of the players, I would suggest we are influenced more by the pulls and the atmospheres beyond anything else. The not willing, the hope, or the waiting. Those things are more influential than we give credit so that's verses 19 through 21. Let's filtrate verse 18 very briefly. For I consider, consider, other versions would say I reckon, time and space is necessary to find out where you are. Time and space is necessary to find out where you are, what you're going through, and where you're headed. As we're considering reset, a divine approach to our earthly affairs, it's, in, it's critical that we begin to consider, where am I? What am I feeling? What's going on around me? 
Where am I headed? This is why others are so important in our lives, to speak into us. This is why rearview mirrors on our cars are important. If a rearview mirror on our car is important, I would suggest that we need rearview mirrors in our lives with people and friendships. But we have to consider. Secondly, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, what that communicates to me is that your present isn't forever, nor is it supposed to be. Your present isn't forever, and it was never intended to be that way. Have you ever looked in the back of your pantry? And you're like, oof, I don't remember buying that. But you get it and you realize you've had it for a year and a half, and it still hasn't expired. Well, that's fantastic. But is it? To me, what's in it? This, is, this says it's going to be good for three years. And you open it, it smells good, tastes fine, sure. But that's scary. And then you read the instructions or the, the, uh, the, the ingredients, and you're like, I can't pronounce any of these. This, this, this bottle of sauce has a prayer language all itself. You know why that's scary? Because additives are created and put into that. And I'm like, man, that's, that's still fresh, but it shouldn't be. Because present isn't supposed to last forever. Good, bad, difficult, wonderful. We're supposed to continue moving. Additives are scary. The Bible says in James chapter 1, but let patience have her perfect work. Let patience have her perfect work. If you're anything like me, you have said from time to time, man, I need more patience. Does anybody need more patience today? Let me see a show of hands. Yes. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say you need patience. The Bible says patience needs to have you. Let patience have her perfect work. I don't need to have patience. I need patience to have me. Let patience work me. Let's drill it down a little bit to our circumstances. Maybe that strikeout has more to show Jude about Jude than the home run he hits. Maybe, just maybe, the bad play can reveal something to Asa about Asa more than a full stat sheet. Perhaps, and I'm just spitballing, but perhaps the issue, that issue in your marriage that keeps coming up, that keeps frustrating you, that keeps causing anger between you and strife, that drifts to the top of your thoughts and pushes your most intimate relationship to the cliff, Maybe, just maybe, that thing is trying to make you and your spouse and your relationship better. There's a great statement made by Bishop T.D. Jakes some years ago as he's talking about the nation of Israel going out of bondage. And they're walking around the mountain for 40 years. They're making a four to seven day journey 40 years. And Bishop T.D. Jakes made this statement. He said, all the while they're walking around the mountain waiting for the mountain to change, but all the while the mountain was changing them. Are we allowing patience to work us? And finally, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Suffering always leads toward revealing. Doesn't that sound good when we're sitting in an air-conditioned church? or in your living room, 
or you're podcasting this later, you're like, yeah, that's so good. But when you're in a moment and in a season and it's pressing and patience is just working you over, you're like, suffering is the worst. Suffering isn't about earning. It's about learning. It's about growing and changing. Opportunities for letting go. Opportunities for grabbing hold. Suffering is not an end, but it's a means. It is never the point, but it's always a process to the point. And if I could just be very honest today, you are the point. You are the point. You are the point that God's trying to get at. When you have those moments in your marriage and there's a suffering taking place, stop saying that she's the point. Nobody liked that. You're all going to find a new church. Fine, that's whatever. But when my wife and I are in an altercation, a heated discussion, developing that response of, oh, this is hard, oh, this hurts, this, this is a suffering thing that's taking place, if she would just get it, if we would reverse that and understand that, what is God trying to get at in me? What is my suffering trying to show and heal in me? Note, emotional and physical abuse or, or controlling relationships is not suffering. That's a completely different thing that you need help and you need support to come alongside. So if you are suffering because there's a controlling relationship, an emotionally abusive relationship, or physically abusive relationship, suffering does not overlay on that. You need help, you need support, and we are here for you, and the Spirit of God will come alongside you. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. So I would encourage all of us, within this current season and circumstance that we are in, Understand the points. Try and figure out the players that are in your circumstances in your life, but also be aware of that which is pulling, the atmospheres that you are a part of that are incredibly influential in your life. And as you do that, run your season through the filter of Romans 8, 18. Consider, know that your present is not forever. It was never meant to be forever. And finally, know that suffering is for revealing. Suffering is for revealing. Why did the nation of Israel take a four to seven day journey and turn that thing into 40 years? Maybe because, just maybe, they didn't allow God to reveal what he wanted to reveal in them. In our conversations in civil unrest, and privilege and racism. Would we be a people that instead of saying they're wrong, but engage the conversation from a perspective of, God, what are you showing me? What are you wanting to do in me? Instead of listening to social media and all those other platforms, why don't we give God our platform? And let him begin to instruct us. Let him begin to communicate and heal and grow. And yes, maybe, just maybe even change us. Reset a divine approach to our most earthy affairs.
Let me leave you all with this benediction today. May the suffering we come upon revelate us to all that God has intended for us. May we not turn away from the pain, but towards the pressures and fully engage the patience as it works us. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better. We love you so much. We will see you next Sunday. <laughs>